I'm Michael White with White Farms in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas Ag on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's going to be tough to get a cow herd through the winter this year. The drought, of course, decimated hay supplies here in Texas, so we're short on forage every way you look at it. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you're in the cattle business, it's good to have an emergency management plan to protect your animals in a time of crisis. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texas farmers and ranchers tour Colorado and Nebraska agricultural operations to learn the similarities and differences between farming and ranching in those two states compared to Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Planting winter pastures this fall could reduce and likely eliminate the need for cattle producers to purchase expensive supplements this winter. We will discuss winter pasture options for Central and East Texas. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Taking a cow herd through the Texas winter will be a challenge this year with very little hay produced in the state. Cattlemen like James Oliver of Ozona are getting creative with their winter feeding plans. You know, that area doesn't grow any hay when we have to ship feedstuffs in. Typically, we rely on either cottonseed cake or whole cottonseed, and that's going to be a tough one this year. Where they say they're going to walk away from like 30% of the crop. So I don't know. We've, we've maintained our cow herd, but we're probably going to cut down and just try to figure out way around it. Many cattle producers are relying on corn stalks as practically every acre of corn was baled behind the combines this year. Farmers like Braden McKinnis in northeast Texas baled a lot of corn stalks this year. He says the same thing happened back in 2011. I know 2011 we baled and sold a bunch of stalks, uh, corn and milo stalks. Um, I know I've heard, you know, from neighbors and, and the older generation that you know, there's been, there's creeks now that are not flowing, that were flowing in 2011, but, and then you hear other people say, well, we had a tank that, you know, or a pond that dried up in 2011, and it's not quite dry yet, so, um, as far as 2011, I can't really compare, but 
usually I usually plant a double crop milo, a double crop soybeans, vine, or wheat, and that, it didn't even get enough rain to germinate. And McKinnis says there is no shortage of demand for corn stalks this year. We definitely have never seen this, you know, in East Texas in the last, you know, since 2011. We bail a few stalks for ourselves, and that's it. But, uh, man, it was, we've had guys with bailers waiting for us to get the combines out of the field, and, and man, they're, they're moving it as quick as it comes out on the ground. And uh, it's just it's just crazy to see that demand for for corn stalks. McKinnis says his corn crop looked good through the spring, but the heat in July dropped his yields at least thirty percent. American beef exports again topped the one billion dollar mark in July and posted the fifth largest volume ever. July beef exports totaled over one hundred twenty six thousand five hundred metric tons. That's 3% higher than the same month last year. Export value topped the $1 billion mark for the sixth time this year, finishing at $1.006 billion in July. U.S. pork exports topped 208,000 metric tons in July, 6% lower than last year. Pork export value in July was $625 million. That's 5% lower than the same month in 2021. If you're in the cattle business, it's good to have an emergency management plan to protect your herd in a time of crisis. James Hunt tells how from Amarillo. The Texas A&M Veterinary Emergency Team is a group of faculty, staff, and senior students based at the A&M Vet School in College Station. Also known by the acronym VET, the team works with veterinarians and technicians around the state in responding to natural disasters and other emergencies. The unit's director, Wesley Bissett, describes the services VET provides when it's deployed to help animals and their owners in times of crisis. We can do everything up through surgeries, even in a disaster setting, and we bring everything with us. So literally all we need is an open spot to set up our base of operations. We don't depend on a jurisdiction for buildings or power or any of that. If it's not available, we've got it all that we bring with. And we do both small animal work, dogs, cats, some pocket pets, but we do livestock as well, horses, cattle, sheep, goats, pigs, that sort of thing. And we do that work out in the field. Another service Dr. Bissett and the team offers is helping livestock producers put together emergency management plans for their operations. If you live in the panhandle, you need to have plans for what you're going to do if a wildfire breaks out or severe winter storm or tornado, that sort of thing. You need those plans as a producer so that your operation stays viable. I've just seen too many deployments where a lot of animals have been lost Uh, And there may have been options for them, you know, if there had just been the ability to plan and think about what you were going to do beforehand. The Texas A&M Veterinary Emergency Team's services are free. I talked with Dr. Bissett at a recent emergency preparedness conference in Amarillo. More from him tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of Texas farmers and ranchers toured Colorado and Nebraska recently. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the trip. Agricultural producers representing the Texas Farm Bureau were in Colorado and Nebraska recently to see differences and similarities in farm and ranch production in those two states compared to Texas agriculture. TFB President Russell Baining led the delegation. One thing that we all deal with, it seems like no matter where you go, is water issues, right? Every place has water issues. They may be a little different, but it all boils down to usually at some point uh, a limited supply of water. They deal with that up here. 
to me, it didn't seem maybe to the extent that some of us do in Texas, but it, it's very different. The water here is owned by the state, both the underground water as well as the surface water. A lot of different permitting processes that you had to go through, and the water tends to stay with the land. You can't really separate the water from the land. So that was one thing that was seemed a little different than, than what we deal with in Texas. The Texas group toured the JBS meat processing plant in Greeley, Colorado. We did talk about the marketing issue and the story that you get from them, the, the, the stance that they take is, look, we will basically buy cattle ever how we need to buy cattle. There's feeders that want to sell cattle, quote, using formula pricing on the grid, so to speak. There's people that want a forward contract and there's people that want to sell their cattle via cash sales. Uh, we talked to folks at JBS that said, and we're okay with that. We'll buy cattle ever how we need to buy cattle. We feel the same way. When you tell someone like the Packers how they have to buy cattle, then you're also telling the person that's selling the cattle how they have to sell their cattle. And is that really what we want to do? That is Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With the shortage of hay this year, planting winter pastures may be the key to feeding your herd this winter. Forage specialist Vanessa Olson has more. Now is a good time for producers to plan for winter pastures. Most fall, winter, and spring forages perform best when planted in late September through early October. Producers should be choosing forages, finding and pricing, purchasing or reserving seed, and planning when and where to plant. Waiting until the last minute can be problematic. If you wait, you might not be able to find seed and then may be forced to plant late, which impacts production. Producers have many options for fall and winter forages, but matching species to specific soil types, average rainfall, and temperatures are paramount. The timing for forage availability is also an important consideration for producers. Small grains such as oats, small grain rye, and wheat perform best in specific regions that provide preferred soil makeups, temperatures, and moisture levels. Most of their forage production is in the fall and early winter. Small grain rye is adapted to a wide variety of soil types and more productive than the other small grains. Oats are the least cold tolerant and should be planted in central and southern portions of the state south of Interstate 20. Wheat is better adapted to colder temperatures and performs well north of I-20. Ryegrass, which produces majority of forage in the spring, can be planted later than other forages, but delays can mean decreased yields and impact availability for grazing. The rainfall needs of ryegrass limits production to portions of the state east of I-35. Cool season legumes also produce forage in the spring, but can be site-specific. I recommend visiting with your local county extension agent for recommended legumes for your area. Legumes are also sensitive to soil pH, most preferring a pH of 6 or higher. The decision whether to plant winter forages or not mostly comes down to seed availability and prices and when they will need the forage. Producers have a lot of options, but in general, it's better to have a plan and to be prepared so that forages are available for grazing when needed. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Help is out there for Texas landowners who are battling feral hogs. I'm Jessica Dolmull and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And nitrate poisoning can occur when cattle eat hay high in nitrates. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Nitrate poisoning can occur when cattle eat hay high in nitrates. Dr. Bob Judd says that's a big possibility this year thanks to the drought. Nitrates can build in all plants, but it is more of a concern this year due to the drought this summer. Stress can increase the amount of nitrate in the plants, and the plants have certainly been stressed this summer unless irrigated. Certain plants are more likely to contain high levels of nitrates, including pigweed, Johnson grass, corn, sorghum, and sudan, although any plant can contain toxic levels of nitrates. Drovers.com indicates that nitrates are usually the highest in young plants, and nitrates typically decrease as the plant matures. Stressors that cause a decrease in plant growth, such as drought and high temperatures, disease, and herbicide application, can increase nitrate in the plants. Nitrate is not that toxic to cattle when normal levels are consumed. After ingestion, nitrate is converted in the rumen to ammonia and used by microbes as a protein source. However, nitrite is also produced, and too much nitrite can be toxic as nitrite binds to hemoglobin in the blood and prevents the blood from carrying oxygen, which can result in death in less than four hours after ingestion of the plants. The best method to determine if your hay has excessive nitrate is to test it, and there are multiple labs like the Texas A&M Veterinary Diagnostic Lab that can test hay samples. Your veterinarian can help you process the samples correctly for submission to the lab, as there are some specific criteria and different labs test different compounds, so toxic levels will depend on the method of testing. And remember that although prussic acid does leach out of the hay after a period of time, nitrate does not leach out. So even if hay is old, it could still cause nitrate toxicity. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Help is out there for Texas landowners who are battling wild hogs. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Feral hogs, or wild pigs, are a nuisance that cause millions of dollars in damages to lawns, landscaping, golf courses, crops, and pastures each year. They're able to reproduce quickly, creating a growing problem for the Lone Star State. And since the majority of Texas is privately owned, controlling this nuisance requires the work of private landowners. That's why several state agencies are working together to host multiple feral hog control workshops to address the issues that feral swine pose to agriculture, ecosystems, and the health of humans and animals. The meetings will be held September 21st in Cameron, September 22nd in Georgetown, and October 13th in Robstown. Speakers will discuss effective management practices and smart trapping techniques. Through the cooperation of the state agencies, feral hog control resources are available through the Feral Swine Control Pilot Program. 
The program consists of a smart trap loan program, educational and outreach activities, and direct control activities. Landowners in participating counties may be eligible to use a smart trap through the loan program or receive direct control through USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. Again, those meetings are September 21st in Cameron, that's in Milam County in Central Texas, September 22nd in Georgetown, that's in Williamson County, also in Central Texas, and October 13th in Robstown, which is in Nueces County near the coast. Meeting locations and RSVP information are available on today.agrilife.org. That is today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was not a good day in the cattle and cotton markets on Tuesday. Both markets taking a steep drop. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. State officials warn that weather conditions are creating a high risk for wildfires across the state this summer. Warmer, drier than average, and windy conditions are combining with dry vegetative fuels and increasing the potential for significant large fires. Keep your eye on the weather during the summer months and heed warnings from local officials. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Tuesday was not a good day for the cattle and cotton markets. We saw big drops, especially in the feeder cattle and on the cotton trade. First, we'll start with the cattle market where both live and feeders finished lower. Double-digit losses in the live cattle market with October down 95 cents, 144.80. December down 90 cents at 150.45. February live cattle down 82 cents at 154.72. Triple digit losses on the feeder cattle market. September feeders down 207, 179.45. October feeder cattle down 260 at 180.52. November down 245, 182.35. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. We do have bids from the Packers reported at 140 to 141. Feedlots here in the south asking 143 to 145. Boxed beef was lower Tuesday. Choice down 207, 256.87. Select down 85 at 234.91. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. This is Russell Heller from Lexington Livestock Commission Company. He's our guest today. Russell, how'd the Saturday sale go? Yesterday had a good sale, 958 total head with 84 cows. Walk the pins with us, please. All right, the inner packer cows 25 to 50, and the better cows 51 to 91. On the steering bull kids, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 240. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 225. 5 to 6 weights, a dollar, 10 to 195. 6 to 7 weights, a dollar, 5 to 185. 7 to 8 weights, a dollar to 165. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 115 to 210. 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 195, 5 to 6 weights a dollar, 5 to 175, 6 to 7 weights a dollar to 165, 7 to 8 weights 95 to 145. Good. What was the count, Russell? 958. Have y'all got any moisture since we talked last? 
Uh, we had a little shower about Wednesday, a couple of tents, and that was it. All right. How were the cattle uh, accepted by the buyers, and what did the sellers think about pricing? Yes, sir, everybody. I mean, the cattle sold good, and the quality of the cattle was good. Good. And everybody still wanted to buy a few, so, I mean, that's a good makes it good for the market. Right. What do you know for next week? I know one guy, he's going to sell about 35, 40 black calves. They'll probably weigh 350 to 550. And another guy's supposed to have about 30 or 40 kind of younger to short and solid mouth cows. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next Saturday sale at Lexington Livestock, Russell Heller. Sure, you can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for being on the radio with us. Thank you, Larry. Texas neighbors, thank you, too, for joining us every Monday through Friday for Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble, and I like this so much, I'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close sharply higher in Tuesday's trade. October hogs up 387 at 95.75. December hogs up 292. 85.70. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby September up a penny at 1990 a hundred weight. October milk down 17. 21.50 a hundred. Big drop in the cotton market on Tuesday. Several outside factors weighing on the market. The dollar continues to strengthen. Also fears that the Federal Reserve could have a big interest rate coming up. Maybe as much as a full point at its next meeting. And you add to that the fact that the Dow Jones was sharply lower on Tuesday, dropping well over 1,000 points. All of that weighed heavily on the cotton trade. December cotton down 339 points, 102.32. March cotton down 336 at 99.01. December 23 cotton dropped 170 points, 82.23. Corn market slightly lower with September corn down three and a quarter, 709. December corn down three and a quarter, 692 and three quarters. Both wheat markets finished slightly higher. Kansas City hard wheat up five and a quarter on the new crop July contract. It closed at 923 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up four and a half at 880 a bushel. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 11 cents, 836. October crude oil down 12, 8766 a barrel. As we mentioned earlier, big drop in the financial markets on Tuesday. The Dow down 1,300 points Tuesday afternoon, 31,084. The NASDAQ down 635 at 11,630. The S&P dropped 179 points at 3,929. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.